Hello there and welcome to the very first episode of Reimagine the Future of Work podcast. The Reimagine the Future of Work podcast series is a series of talks covering topics ranging from new ways of working to latest trends in the workforce, workplace and how organizations across the region are developing the workforce, their leaders, the managing remote teams and managing the impact on technology on the workforce as well as the demands that we are placing on our workforces for the future. This is Indro and I'm a partner with Deloitte Consulting based here in Singapore and I run the workforce transformation practice in the region as well as the Future of Work program that looks at some of the topics that we're going to discuss today. And in today's episode I'm really excited because we have a very very special guest that I'm going to have the opportunity to talk to today. But before we jump into that with uh, some introductions, I just want to give a shout out to the team that has put the podcast together. Thank you for a terrific job. And we look forward to having the podcast series out to our listeners as quickly as possible. We're looking at the organization's priorities in responding to COVID-19, and it has affected every single one of us. It's a global pandemic. It has brought out the worst in us, and it has brought out the best in us. But as we emerge from this response phase, what we are noticing is that leaders, CEOs, CHROs, CXOs around the region are focusing on the next set of challenges for the workforce as they plan for the recovery and the liftoff that is imminent. And a major challenge that organizations are facing is to activate new ways of working. Now, we have all talked about working from home, working remotely, but there are many, many other things that are playing into how these new ways of working are going to pan out in the future. And one organization that is really at the forefront of this revolution in terms of new ways of working is the Union Bank of the Philippines. And if you're in the Philippines, you obviously know them and love them. But if you're not in the Philippines, let me tell you, Union Bank is probably one of the most progressive, most modern, and most digital-ready of banks in the region. I think of it this way, Union Bank of the Philippines is the organization that most banks aspire to be when they grow up. And today we'll look at how this bank has activated new ways of working through a distributed workforce, the challenges, the achievements, and the key learnings. And who better to have with us than the person who has been right at the middle of this transformation. So a very warm welcome to Michelle, Michelle Rubio. She is the head of HR at the Union Bank of the Philippines. And Michelle has been with the bank right through the transformation in the forefront of the transformation, leading it from the front. Uh, she has been with the bank for 17 years, and under her leadership, the Union Bank of the Philippines has won several, several recognitions for organization transformation, uh, move to agile, employee engagement, talent management, the list goes on and on. And most importantly, I would say that Michelle is one of those very few HR leaders in the region who are leading the transformation to the future of work right from the front. So welcome to the podcast, Michelle. Lovely to have you. Yeah, thank you for having me. So, Michelle, I would like to start off by commending 
first of all, the tremendous work that has been done by your bank in responding to the COVID-19 crisis. I mean, you managed to keep the bank open. You were serving your customers. In fact, you actually moved forward in your digitization journey and the digital journey. What are some of your observations if you look back on the last 12 months? What gives you hope and what gives you excitement for the future, Michelle? So looking back at the last 12 months, it has really been exciting and challenging at the same time because we had to shift everyone, almost 80% of our workforce, to work from home or work remotely while about 20 to 25% of our frontliners had to go to work and man our branches. It's been very interesting. But, you know, looking back on hindsight, we were very much prepared for that shift. And uh, we have done a lot prior to the pandemic to prepare us for this new world of work, which we are in today. And I think it's all about the spirit of the people, the culture the mindset and the learning agility that has been displayed by our organization throughout these months. And as we continue to embrace the challenges because the pandemic is not over, people continue to adapt and we're trying to reach new heights because there's just a big take up in the number of customers who have decided that, yes, digital is the solution or the way forward. Fantastic. Fantastic. I'm really delighted to hear that. So, Michelle, let me ask a follow-up to that. So, do you think after the vaccine comes in and things settle down, do you see that we go back to the old normal? Or do you think this changes in behaviors that you are seeing, not only among your customers, but also among your employees, is here to stay. Where do you sit on that debate? Well, at the moment, we think that it won't be a 100% work from home arrangement for those who are working from home. At the end of the day, we need to engage people and have some degree of social contact. And the big reason why, you know, we have reached a certain level of engagement and cooperation and our engagement has never been as high as before. It's now really, really, really good. People are still excited about Union Bank. The magic is still there. But we think that is so because we've built social capital over time and we don't want to lose that touch with our people. So we think it would be blended while we can still take advantage of the benefits of working from home. There will be days where we need to come together to collaborate, to see each other, to hug one another, (laughs) to make friends, (laughs) to tell stories, and just to enjoy each other because that's what being in the workplace is all about. To gain friends, not just work, but to gain friends and to maintain that social activity by having face-to-face connections. I couldn't agree with you more. And (laughs) I love the analogy that you used. And I know I've been observing the fantastic work that you and your team have done before the pandemic. And it is not by accident that your engagement levels right through the pandemic among employees is as high as it is, because as you correctly pointed out, you did a lot of work in building up that social capital 
within your teams before the pandemic. And I love the idea that the primary reason why you think people should come back to work is not necessarily to sit in a, you know, a cubicle and, and stare at their screens, but to really interact socially and build up that social capital for the future. I love that idea. Right. Uh, I think it's still essential. People long for that. Whenever we have virtual town hall meetings, we tell each other how much we miss one another and being in the workplace. Sometimes some team members shed a tear or two because <laughs> they do miss that. And uh, we should give that back to our people once it is safe to return to work. Yes. Uh, let me pick up on the comment that you made that it's not going to be 100% work from home. It is not going to be 100% work from office. It's going to be some form of a hybrid. And what we are seeing with all of our clients, literally every single one of them, is coming to the conclusion that it is going to be a hybrid. But the question then arises, what is the best way to manage a distributed hybrid workforce? And I want to kind of go deeper into this concept. So let's start with the notion of workplace. So we have office, we have home, and I believe that you are beginning to experiment with a third concept of work hubs. Um, tell us a little bit more about that. So we are doing an experiment and, you know, the challenge of working at home, you know, there's a lot uh, that can be told about it. It's about the feeling of isolation, wanting to have stronger connectivity. Sometimes you just want to get away from, uh, you know, balancing the work that you're doing and taking care of the family, you sort of want uh, some space from that. And of course, there are alternative workspaces. So we experimented because, of course, the bank has different offices and branches across the country. And we defined certain spaces where our people can go to if they need to work remotely, it can be like a place where they can sit down and uh, they have a cup of coffee, have some quiet time, uh -huh. good connectivity, access to the office, uh, and all that kind of stuff. But I'll tell you a story about it. So human-centered design and data is really important in identifying these hubs because we jump right into it. We meaning HR and said, you know, this space is nice, so let's turn it into a hub. But at the end of the day, when the engagement feedback, employee engagement survey came back to us, they were saying that they were longing to be out of the house and come to a space in the bank that they can work in. And we said, you know, we have those hubs. But when we um, use data science to check where people are versus the hubs, it's not making sense because we really did not look into the accessibility factor. And so <laughs> we are pivoting in that respect. This is a, a lesson to us that we really have to use data and go back to the user <laughs> and, and design think from our user's point of view. Oh, that's a fantastic story. And it's a reminder that design thinking and data is at the heart of what the future of work is going to look like and treating your employees with the empathy that you would treat your customers and users and designing around that is the best way to go. Fantastic. 
I wanted to follow up on that in terms of some of the software aspects of the transformation. I know that you have spent a lot of time in moving towards an agile workforce. So you have these cross-functional teams that are working in agile sprints, etc. To what extent do you think that way of working in agile sprints and cross-functional teams is possible in this kind of a hybrid environment? I think it will work in a hybrid environment because the style of agile teams is not really about where you sit. It's about how you collaborate even virtually and making sure that you are addressing or responding to the user stories that you've actually built as part of the sprint. So I don't think it will create any impact because case in point, Prior to the pandemic, we were all working in the office. And when we had to work remotely using the Agile method, it's almost like, of course, from a results point of view, nothing has changed. So definitely location has nothing to do with outcomes or output as far as agility is concerned. In fact, it has helped us because, you know, People are so used with digital collaboration tools, having dashboards to actually consolidate uh, results, used to talking about missions and my responsibility and output and what I contribute to the table as part of a squad or a team. So it won't change. I think it will only accelerate (laughs) much more uh, now that we've actually ripped the benefits of moving to an agile operating model. There is a desire to improve much more on speed and quality. And that's why we're talking about today, transformation to DevOps. Absolutely. So it's a joy to hear that because the organizations like yourselves that had put in that investment before the pandemic in creating a new way of working, which is agile, mission-based, outcome-based, sprint-based, have actually benefited incredibly during the pandemic and have been able to go to market as quickly or even faster than they were able to do before. But my question, Michelle, is that a lot of the people who have been in the bank, who have gone through this journey, I can totally understand how they're collaborating even better in this kind of a remote environment. But my question is around the new people who are coming in, who do not have a shared history with the bank. They were not part of that buildup of social capital, if you like. Are you seeing some challenges in getting some of your new candidates and new people into the bank and getting them steeped in the union bank culture and ethos? Well, that has been the question in my mind as we actually hire new entrants in this current setup. So basically what we're doing is to strengthen our onboarding program Uh to actually make sure that we communicate the culture, the DNA of the bank. It needs to be articulated. And of course, the expectation is for the new entrant to not just believe this articulation, but to live it. So we, the leader in this respect, because we in HR engage people in the onboarding, but the leader of the team 
most especially the leader, has to continue and impart the kind of behavior that is expected and in alignment with our purpose and values. These are all principle based and I think what also endears many of the people that has joined the bank is because of uh, what we say we are and the brand, our employer brand. We want our people to own the future and if they can align to that and participate and be a contributor to that belief system, then I guess we have done our part, right? A good baseline to begin with. And uh, we just continue from there. So our programs, initiatives, they haven't stopped actually. And we're doing a great deal of communication, measuring our culture, Uh whether people are still aligned, what people don't want about it and then we try to engage the middle so the middle out strategy that has worked for us that we invite the middle managers have conversations and just ask them is there anything that we need to improve so that people can embrace and live the culture and evolve with it i'm glad you pointed that out i think one of the things that we're noticing is that the role of frontline team leaders and your middle managers is so crucial as we move towards this kind of a hybrid model. Because in a scenario where you have everybody working in the office, people can learn the culture and understand the DNA by observing behaviors around them. But I think the onus is now very clearly on that frontline management to be able to express that and bring that to life over, you know, Zoom calls, over interactions, micro interactions, micro conversations, etc. And that is that middle out strategy sounds like the right thing to do. But it's hard, isn't it? I mean, uh, your team leaders and, and people leaders need all the help to make that make that transition, right? That's right. So the moment we experience this work from home, you know, HR got into a huddle and we said, what are our challenges? What are the challenges that we experience ourselves and try to create support for leaders and support for the people? So those are two different interventions. Of course, for the leader, it's about leading remotely and, you know, practicing empathy towards team members but at the same time, shifting from time-based to more output-based, results-based, kind of checking in with the different team members. For those who report to team leaders, of course, there are also challenges. But overall, I can, I can sum it up to increasing that level of trust. You know, you have to rely on one another and really leverage on the strengths of the team to be able to deliver on your goals. So far, it's been good. There are some issues with the working from home, but it's not like it cannot be addressed Mm -hmm. because we continue to listen and, uh, of course, address the the feeling level of, of people because it's also been very hard to be so isolated and not being able to, to go out as before. Yeah, I, you know, I just want to pick up on the couple of words that you used, empathy and trust, and how those are so central and critical as you move forward. 
the fact is that if I look at the data on mental health issues that are coming up, a feeling of isolation, feeling of being disconnected from work family, etc., those are obviously going up in you know, companies across the region. But there is a role, right, that um, senior leaders, middle managers need to play to be conscious of that and to bring their, you know, the best version of themselves as leaders to the game every day. What support are you giving your senior leaders and middle managers to be able to do that? So we talk a lot about the issues. I think conversation and being open helps a lot. Uh And working as a team and addressing the concerns immediately is important. Um, We have a support system, like, for example, for, for mental health. We do offer counseling, immediately trained our leaders on how to coach with this kind of remote working. So we equip people with the tools that are needed to kind of hurdle the day-to-day challenges to build that kind of trust among team members. I think trust is built when people know that you do care for them genuinely. And when they see that, they also open up, share their problems, and even sometimes talking about it does help a lot improve the state of being people in general. So you've done so much as a a leader in the bank and a leader of people and work. I want to ask you about you and the team around you, and particularly about you. Any reflections on how this period of time, the last 12 months, has impacted you personally? Yes, definitely. I'm more cognizant now of the people around me. It's like, you know, sensitized to everything that's happening. And there's just a lot of gratefulness for the people that I work with. And we continue to be Union Bank and uh, continue to evolve and do great things for the communities we serve. And that's because of the people who have embraced the Union Bank way, the DNA. And, you know, we're in a digital transformation still. And I'm not really seeing any slowing down in that respect. And it's just an appreciation for the people that they want to be part and participate in this journey with us. I think my realization also is if you give people the avenue to learn and continue to contribute, they will grab that and uh, they will actually help the organization grow. And so that's why we keep to our promise of no one gets left behind. And that means involving everyone in the change that they have a part of it. We always say that jobs will be lost and jobs will change, but you have a seat in the table because if you decide that this is the organization for you, we will retool you, you will learn to tech up, <laughs> we will handhold you, and it will be fun. The journey will be fun. And uh, so far, it's been really good. That narrative is not just in words, uh. but the whole leadership of Union Bank is actually serious in in making sure that this is the kind of experience that employees have working with us. Not not just the executive leadership, but even the board, right? That's right. That's right. 
which is fantastic. I mean, you, you clearly, I mean, there are lots of things that you're getting right if you have the supervisory board and the board members individually, you know, not just overseeing the transformation, but, but personally taking interest in it. Absolutely. The board is very much interested in our future and they are uh, paving the way for things to happen. And uh, of course, they do trust management as well. So we work hand in hand uh, to deliver on our promise for our customers. That's fantastic. So it pushes HR and the role of the CHRO and the HR team right front and center. Are you enjoying that? Oh, we're enjoying it very much so. Sometimes I don't feel like I work in HR because it's very much working side by side with the business. The only thing is that I focus on people and uh, that's my contribution. And we do a lot in HR to make the business successful. And that means also learning about the business of banking as well as the new technologies that would make us successful. Fantastic. Michelle, thank you very much for your time. I want to leave this uh, conversation with one last question. Uh, And this is a personal one. So Michelle, if you could go to any location in the world once the, you know, flights open up and international travel is available, where would you go and why? Singapore. That's a great choice. That is one great choice. I lived there before, so I want to go back and keep coming back every year, three, four times. And I I do miss the food and and, uh, miss the place generally. Yeah. Fantastic. And we would love to have you the moment the flights open up. I want to see you right here in Changi. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you for talking to us today. Thank you for sharing. Lovely insights. I enjoyed this. Thank you so much. So that was Michelle Rubio from the Union Bank of the Philippines. What a wonderful conversation and what a wonderful story Michelle had to say about thriving even in a global pandemic. So if you enjoyed that, look out for our next episode, episode two of Reimagining the Future of Work podcast. 